Hi, and Hello. welcome to this episode of HCA Talks Health. I'm Zina LaRue, and today I'm talking to Keith Wilson. So welcome, Keith. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's nice to, nice to be invited. Wonderful. So, Keith, you've, you've got a really interesting story to tell. Um, and it all started when your Parkinson's disease has been confirmed in March 2020. So it's a little bit over two years ago. So please tell us more about this journey. What happened after you've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease? Right. Well, uh, it was... Um... I've been showing symptoms, you know, before long before I was diagnosed, and uh, I got the confirmation from the brain scan in in March 2020. And um, your initial reaction is a bit of a relief that it's nothing more serious, you know, that's not like uh, a brain tumor or anything uh, sort of completely life ending, life threatening. Uh, but then you go into a, a bit of a depression in terms of, you know, your life's never going to be the same in terms of your act activities and the things that you enjoy doing. And um, it, it coincided with lockdown as well. So it was you know, virtually the same week the pandemic hit the UK quite badly. And so uh, all, all activities were restricted. And, um, and so I, you know, I've always led a very active, active life, you know, rock climbing, uh, mountaineering, um, cycling, running. And I thought it was all going to end. You know, that, and and uh, and also my, my voice deteriorated very quickly, very rapidly, and uh, and because I wasn't talking to anyone, you know, uh, it wasn't making any friends. So my voice just just disappeared, basically, turned into a sort of mumble, oh. and a uh, very slurred mumble. And uh, and you and you actually go through, you know, I went through a phase of actually um, becoming quite not antisocial, but I didn't really want to go out and meet anyone. Even when you when restrictions were were eased, and then uh, and then gradually uh, after after about one a full year actually of, of thinking that uh, that things were never going to be the same again, uh, I uh, I decided to uh, to accept the offer of speech therapy, and the speech therapy it's not perfect but it, it, it restored my voice. It was very very tiring, very hard work. Um, I used to feel absolutely exhausted after an hour of trying to do, trying to use my voice. I got my voice back, and then I thought, well, if I can get my voice back, I can maybe get some exercise back. I started to uh, to, to well, initially to cycle with my wife on a tandem, and then and then from there we she she wanted, she progressed to doing a bit of running. And from there, uh, I discovered that uh, the running I could I, I would get what's called motion freeze, which is all the lower half of your body. So I was running and my legs were turning into jelly and I felt absolutely exhausted. And I thought, well, that's how I felt when I was doing the speech therapy. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, you know that it's kind of mind over matter and you've got to just keep practicing and trying. And what I discovered is, is it was that if I started singing, it would activate something in my brain that would actually uh, stop my legs from freezing up and, and, mm -hmm. and turning into jelly. Oh, wow. So I then went from... <laughs> So once I'd conquered that, I uh, discovered that um, through various sort of online conferences about how important the, the dopamine is in, in terms of Parkinson's, because mm. it's, it's a lack of dopamine that's causing you problems. Mm. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm telling you things stuff you already know, but no. basically, uh, so, so there's an enzyme each way, the, the dopamine in your brain, and, you, and the dopamine is essential for converting 
um, the connection between what's going on in your brain and your muscles. So you know, your brain can work fine and your muscles can work fine, but they just don't work together. So you're more likely to fall over, you're more likely to do involuntary movements and so on. And so um, what I discovered was that if I can... If I, can, if I can keep, I've got to keep both things very fit anyway. So I've got to do brain exercise and, and physical exercises. But then I also need to generate the chemicals in my brain so they actually work more smoothly together. And that's what singing did. And so uh, and so from there, I then joined a choir yeah. and started doing karaoke <laughs> uh, and, uh, and really kind of rediscovered all, all the activities. So I do a lot of cycling, a lot of long distance walking and running. And um, really kind of, so I went on from being a sort of born-again talker to being a born-again runner. Yeah. So that's the journey. That's that's so fascinating, and it's such an inspiring story. So what you realize, and, I, and it all started with the speech therapy, was that, you know, when the, the, the whole issue around Parkinson's disease is the lack of dopamine, right? Mm. So when the balance is disrupted that is what results in the tremors and the rigidity and all of that right and you realize that if you are releasing more dopamine through various activities especially the exercise and and so forth then you can actually manage the disease to a certain degree is that right that's right yes you know dopamine and uh, the chemical the important chemical is adrenaline because adrenaline is chemically very similar to dopamine Yes. So anything which can give you an adrenaline boost actually improves your improves everything. Uh-huh. So so uh, I um so I went to uh, I took two fourteen year old uh, godsons to America with my wife, and we went on lots of roller coasters, and I felt great for a week. Yeah. So now I've got a virtual reality headset, and I go on a roller coaster two or three times a week on a virtual roller coaster, and it works. It gives me gives me energy. I can imagine. That's fascinating. So since then, you've really been a bit of an adrenaline junkie, right? So you've participated in quite extreme physical challenges, if I understand it correctly. So maybe you can tell us more about some of the challenges that you signed up for. Yeah, um, right. So, I, I mean, in terms of adrenaline, being an adrenaline junkie, I mean, I've never, I've never been an extreme one. I've done some, uh, done a parapont. I've climbed a lot of mountains and uh, you know got a lot of skills from from rock climbing and and alpinism. But uh, what I discovered was that um, by setting myself challenges, mm. I could uh, I could target these things. And so you get adrenaline looking forward to them. You get adrenaline when you're doing them. You get adrenaline when you look back on them. Mm. So last year I did um, I did five last year, five big ones, hundred uh, k in the Lake District. 100k ultra challenge. I did um, Tour of Mont Blanc. I did the Montaigne 50, 50 miles in a day. Uh, can't remember what the two were. <laughs> uh, oh, Land's End of John O'Groats uh, on virtual reality. Amazing. And um, a thing for the Police Federation called Light the Lakes. And then this year I've done um, another ultra challenge. I did 100 kilometers in the Peak District two oh. weeks ago. And then, uh, and then we did the Hebridean cycle where we did 320 mile cycle in, in May. That's amazing, Keith. And if I may ask, how old are you now? 72. 72. That's fascinating to still be able to embark on such a, you know, it's quite a strict and, and dedicated regime of strenuous exercise, right? 
Well, I mean, you know, it's not coming. I mean, I, I didn't do very many miles in February because I was in South Africa. But my, my big ambition was to climb Table Mountain. We went up Skeleton Gorge and under the top of Table Mountain. It was really good. That was the highlight of my trip. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I want to just go a few steps back. So I find that it's it's so inspiring um, that, you know, you are able to, to continue doing this. And it seems like you love it in any case. So, um, but just going a few steps back. So you mentioned earlier that just after you were diagnosed, you went through that initial stage, right, mm. of denial, maybe, and a bit of depression. And I think this is such a common phase for people to go through when they are diagnosed with disease, right? So just tell us a little bit more about that phase. What what thoughts were going through your mind when when you were first diagnosed? Right. Yeah. I mean, initially, you, you don't want anyone else to know. You don't want to be defined by it. You don't want sympathy. You don't want people asking you any questions. Mm. And um, so you go. You know, you start off with saying. I said to my wife, I don't want to, uh, you know, she said, well, the family will need to know. So I said, well, the family can know, but they can't be asking me questions because they need to know anything about Parkinson's. They can look at them on the internet. Mm. Yeah, I don't really want to have to be explaining anything to them. And uh, and I don't want people sort of ringing up asking, just asking how you are and when you're going to get better because obviously you're not, mm. you know. And um, so that was the first phase. And then, and then the second phase was like, uh, should I tell me my running friends and my climbing friends? And um and you, you're very reluctant to because you don't want to be you don't want to be written off and you don't want to be treated differently. Mm. Um but then gradually once I'd kind of come to the come to the conclusion that uh, challenges was what I needed, mm. uh, then I wanted to start, I'd, and I, I got that through um mainly through Parkinson's online conferences. Mm. And um and uh, and so you know just just generally reading up on on, on material myself, and um, and I did and I realised I needed a challenge. I wanted to fundraise for Parkinson's UK, and um, and then because uh, I then had to start telling people because I needed to raise some raise some money. So uh, it, you know the whole thing kind of snowballed, and uh, I ended up raising uh, you know one thousand six hundred pounds last year mm. through sponsorship from different people and. Fantastic. So the choir contributed, the running clubs, you know, my climbing friends, everybody sort of chipped in. It was really good. Yeah. And from there, um, I guess the local press had picked up on it by then. And so I've become a kind of um, uh, bit of a media presence, I guess. Uh, you know, not, not picking up too much, but... Yes. So I think that, you know, it's it's fantastic that you were able to move out of that stage because I think that many people get stuck there, right? They um, absolutely do, yes. Mm. So yeah, what, I, mean, what... I have, uh, sorry, I have oh, quite a few ahead. people contact me, yeah, you know, who, who are in the early, who've just been diagnosed and want to know what they should do, you know, should they cancel a holiday, should they cancel their gym membership and what have you. Mm. And, I, and I'm trying to advise them, absolutely not. Most of them actually don't want to go public yet. Mm. You know, they, they actually say, you know, well, one one guy said he, he's still in work and he doesn't want he doesn't want his boss to know yet. Mm. He's finding it harder to cope with work. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So so what would you what would your tips be to someone who is 
currently maybe stuck in that phase because obviously you got out of it and you were able to move towards a more positive mindset maybe even a growth mindset as they call it so um what would your tips be to someone who's currently stuck in that phase uh well first of all be patient uh you know it it, 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 it does take a long time took took me a year and uh and also be sort of uh be, be try and be positive in your thinking and uh you know and look for small improvements in certain things but also to to concentrate on on the things that give you pleasure and enjoyment it doesn't have to be running or climbing it can be it can be music it can be singing it can be art art appreciation you know, it can be comedy clubs going. You know, if if you can find uh, comedy films that you enjoy laughing at, that stimulates dopamine in your brain, and and so you're you're looking for small wins to start with. Mm. Yeah, so you don't have to change everything at once. You don't have to immediately do the hundred miler. Um, small changes um, could make a big difference. And like you mentioned earlier, I find this so interesting. You said you mentioned earlier that when you were running. Um, you experience something called motion freeze, right? That's Where right. Yes. There was just nothing to focus the mind on. So your feet started to drag and your legs turned into jelly. But then you found that it stopped happening when you sang. So I, I find this so interesting. Is there anything that you can maybe tell us about the impact of singing and activating your muscles? Uh, well, well, I did know that when I, I, I a lot of my running is done off road, so when I'm running up, up hills and mountains, I, I can run fine. Anywhere where I need to concentrate really hard on where my feet plant. So running through the woods and the riverbank near here, I'm absolutely fine. When I go onto smooth tarmac, that's when that's when everything turns to jelly and and I lose momentum. Mm. And what I discovered was that uh, you know if I do park runs. I need to I need to compete with anybody near to me, you know, people to overtake or stop people going past me. Now, obviously, with it, you know, within my limits, but uh, it's the competition actually generates something in your brain. Mm. And uh, so the, the, the singing, uh, partly it's a different section of the brain, I guess, but it just keeps the brain more active. And then, so what I discovered when I, I was in America, staying with my with my brother, and he has a swimming pool. I was trying to swim a full length, like I would normally do, and I would get halfway down the length, and my legs would freeze. The arms could keep going, because motion freeze tends to the lower half of your body. But my arms would, so my legs would stop kicking, and I'd start to sink and start to panic, and I thought, it's gotta be, gotta, I've got to be able to, to kill this one. So I, I practiced and practiced, and after three days, I worked out how to do it. And I, so I needed to distract my brain or give me brain some extra stimulus, but not too much stimulus. Oh, okay, yeah. And what I discovered was that, um, so I tried counting and uh, in, in in English, and that that got me a bit further, but not not fine, not to the end of the pool. In the end, uh, I was counting up to up to twenty in three different languages. So I do French, German, and English. Oh wow! And that was just enough, so easy easy counting, but just enough stimulus to to keep oh. me going. Okay, so it's all about stimulating the brain activity. Um, and brain that you chemistry. Can, yeah, yes. And that you can actually yeah, achieve through yeah, singing and, and even art appreciation and comedy, as you mentioned earlier, right? Yes. All of these things can actually counteract Parkinson's because of the st stimulation of the brain activity and the increase of 
of dopamine and adrenaline and all of this. So yeah, yeah it's, it's so fascinating to hear about it. And this is such a lovely story and so much so that it's actually been picked up by the BBC, right? So they made a special film for, is it uh, today's morning live show? It was, yeah, it was, it was Parkinson's Awareness Day, I think International Parkinson's Awareness Day. And uh, so my wife and I were featured for about five minutes, which is quite, you know, in BBC terms, is quite substantial. Mm. Uh, but it was, mainly, it was mainly about the singing and how the singing helped me overcome. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you're also part of a choir, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah. And the choir is, I mean, we, we did a concert last week. We're doing a, 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 some more concerts this summer. But um, the, the the concert was it's absolutely brilliant. It's a choir without, without any music, so it's all like a cappella. Mm. And... Um, and, uh, and uh, right, so I joined. I came right. I'll tell you the story. I came home from a room one day, and my wife had a friend here, and uh, she said, uh, How, "How's the running going, Keith?" And I said, "Oh, it's, it's good now. I've discovered singing." She said, "Well, um, we're always looking for extra men in the choir." And I said, "Okay, I'll give it a, give it a try." And yeah. I didn't expect to enjoy it, but actually, I absolutely love it, mm. and uh, and. The thing is, if I hadn't, if I'd never got Parkinson's, I wouldn't have had speech, wouldn't have needed speech therapy. Without mm. the speech therapy, I wouldn't have started singing. Mm. Without the singing, I wouldn't have joined the choir. It's given me a completely new area of interest, a new lease of life. And and the adrenaline, the adrenaline boost from performing is fantastic. But even just singing to yourself, even just in choir practice, it's really, really good. And I know it's stimulating a different part of the brain. But, um, you know, the, the two hours of choir practice just goes in a flash. It's just mm. wonderful. Yeah. And the, and the repertoire we have is really nice. Yeah. So it sounds like it, you know, it's really been, it's enriched your life to a large it has, degree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I know that many people have the idea or they believe that Parkinson's is truly just a genetic disease. Right. And therefore, they believe that there is nothing that you can do about it. Do you come across people like this often where people tell you that, you know, there's there's nothing you can do about it? And how would you typically approach someone like that? Right. So um, just give, just give you an example on on. Because um, I was getting I mean, my speech service was through, was through Zoom because it was during lockdown. And uh, and after a while, uh, after I'd done the initial sort of five weeks of intensive, I went on to group Zooms. So you, you, you and so you, you, you're talking to other people on Zoom. And the one and most people want to talk about the illness. And so one guy said to me, he says, Keith, um, what, what, what's your worst symptoms? Because there's about 40 different symptoms of Parkinson's. Some people suffer more with some than others. He says, you know, what, 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 what's your worst symptoms, Keith? What gets you down the most? I said, look, I said, I'm not being funny, but I'm, not, I'm much more interested in the books you've behind you on your shelf. I mean, the hobbies and interests. So, you know, what what kind of job did you used to do, and what what, what are those books on your shelf behind? You? And he says, oh, he says, oh, oh, he says, uh, well, I'm I'm really keen on um on, on miniature painting. <laughs> Can you do miniature portraits? And I said, oh, well, do you know so and so who's a, who's a painter, a famous painter in our town, and two or three sort of very low, you know, well-known local painters. And we had a conversation then about art, which was much more productive. And just complaining about about how many times you've fallen over last week, or whether whether your dribbling's yes, got any worse. I love it. Yes, absolutely. 
No, so um, it, it, it sounds like you, you're really focusing on what you can do instead of looking for the, the reasons why you should, you know, be held back in some other way, right? Oh, yeah. So you, you're looking for the opportunities, you're looking for the areas of growth. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so I just want to get back to, so the, the training. So obviously this is a big part of your life currently and your, your exercise regime. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit what your exercise regime currently looks like? when you're preparing for the events? Um, well, I mean, last, last, last year when I was preparing for the, uh, the big walks, as it were, we, we had, um, I, have a I have a regular Tuesday night group I go out with on, and uh, we call ourselves Smelly Helly, most people <laughs> in the 70s, and, uh, <laughs> and we're, we're nearly all kind of ex fairly, uh, fairly serious ex-runners and, uh, and long-distance walkers. And we go out and we meet in the pub car park at six o'clock on a Tuesday night. We go off in three separate groups, fast, slow, and medium. And you can choose which which group to go off with. And then we all meet back in the car park at two hours later and we go have a pint of beer and then we drive home. Ah. And, that, and 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 about once a month we have an orienteering challenge. So we take it in turns to set the challenge. And you sort of, you run off with your map and your compass and you have to find these checkpoints. So that, that's every Tuesday, you know, that's Tuesday night with that group. Um, Thursday, we have a, a working group uh, once a month. And uh, and then when I'm not on that, there's, I have a, I'm in a cycling club. Uh, uh, I do a part run every Saturday morning unless I'm doing a race. Sometimes, sometimes I do a race on a Sunday as well. Um, and then the rest of the time, I guess, uh, oh, and then last year we had a the guy I was going to be doing the fifty miles with. We had a, a little group on a Wednesday, which and we every Wednesday we would increase the mileage. So we start off on sort of twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty miles, because I was I had to build up to being being able to do thirty miles, thirty one and a half miles, two days consecutively. Yeah, the hundred hundred k challenge. Wow. Uh, so and then the rest of the time I just walked the dog and. Uh, and play with me granddaughter. Oh wow! Yeah, it's quite a quite an intense work of week of of workouts, right? But it's yeah, it seems to yeah, you're really enjoying it. So it's so lovely to to hear that. So just one last question: um, Did you change anything around your nutrition, just out of curiosity? Yes. Uh, just just before I was diagnosed, I went I went on to uh, alcohol free beer. Okay. And. Uh, and um, and that I, I lost half a stone, uh, and I, I, you know I, I I don't stick to it regularly, but um, I, find, I find with the Parkinson's because of the because of the connection between your, your brain and your muscles is is weak anyway. Yeah, the alcohol affects you much more severely than it used to. So uh, I only you know if I have more than two pints, I'm good for absolutely nothing. Yeah. So basically. Uh, if if we're going out now, I don't I don't I don't drink alcohol, so I can drive my wife home, so that works well. Um, if I'm in the house, I might have two or three small cans of beer, uh, and I mix it with alcohol free and and, and some with alcohol. Lovely. So I'm not, I'm not I'm not totally abstaining, but that was that was a big dietary change. 
Yeah, so and, I, um, I mean, it's positive for um, Parkinson's disease, but but also in terms of weight loss. So you you lost quite a bit of weight for that as well. So it's yes. one small tweak that you made that had such a big impact on your life, hey? Mm. Yeah. yeah, so a long way of racing weight. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah I, like, I, lost about, I lost about half a stone in, in something like six months when I went on, on alcohol-free beer. Wow, lovely, yeah. Okay, Keith, so um, what would be your takeaway um, for people listening? What do you want to leave our audience with? Uh, well, just be positive about, you know, you know health, everyone's got health problems. You know, every, everyone you talk to, and lots of people want to moan about whatever it is, you know, their, their last visit to the doctors. And actually, that doesn't get you anywhere. You know, you, and, and it's, it's almost counterproductive, people wallowing in their own in their own kind of problems and you know you i think you know you, you've got to be put you've got to find the things that you like and do more of them mm. and be positive and see see look for the new opportunities all the time mm. uh, the whole bucket list mentality where you know where, where do you want to go what do you want to see and even even in, in virtual reality you know I'm, I'm i'm you know i'm waiting for something to i, I can i can visit places in america that i've not been to physically Mm. In virtual reality. Mm. I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm just waiting for something from South Africa to come up. I'd love to go back onto Table Mountain in a bit with a virtual headset on. Yes, why not? You know, yeah. yeah well, I've got me photographs, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to actually go there and have a good look around and look at the flora and the fauna. And, yeah, you should. You know, yeah. yeah, you should come to South Africa. So many beautiful landscapes. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But it's amazing how. The virtual reality can also give us access to these amazing landscapes and and even a, an adrenaline rush here and there so that's that's amazing it is yes absolutely yeah yeah so thank you keith it's really inspiring to to talk to you and i love how you just refuse to give in and you showed others that and still you're still showing them that there's plen plenty to live for after parkinson's well, after you've been yes. diagnosed with parkinson's right absolutely and i think it's it, it might be one of the worst things when people lose hope right and feel like oh. there's nothing that they can do but you're showing us that there is life after parkinson's even in your 70s <laughs> yeah for, for sure i mean i, I got i got the parkinson's meetings now to try and g people up and and cheer them up and i've got some talks lined up with different groups in the, in the autumn and uh, and I've got a slideshow presentation just just to, just to say look you know it isn't it's not the end of the world you know yeah. there, there's there's plenty there's plenty of other things to live your life for and, and to keep living for yes and what I love is that by telling your story over the past years um, you've not only raised the the valuable funds for Parkinson's UK as you said but you've also inspired others to live fuller lives even in the face of adversity. So yeah, thank you for for having the courage to do this, and yeah, all the best with your next big race or challenge. Um, we'll definitely keep an eye out for you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And just talking to you gives me a buzz. You see, <laughs> good, <laughs> just, just, lovely. Just be just be on camera. What an adrenaline rush! <laughs> <laughs> we'll arrange for meetings more often then. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Keith. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for for being on the show. Not at all. My pleasure. Thank you very much.